Well, let's start with the word of prayer. Mm-hmm. Dear Father, we thank you for this time of fellowship and for this time of study. We thank you for this wonderful book that you have given us, uh, where we can really see that you care to tell us what is ahead, what is future for us. This is the hope that we look forward to, the conclusion of all judgment. We know that uh, today we look around the world and we wonder why there is suffering and why there is pain and why there are wars and uh, why there's so much disagreement and evil. And uh, here we see that you have given us a period of grace, but that grace ends. So we thank you for the grace that you've extended to the world today so that all who uh, might come to believe in your son, Jesus Christ, and receive salvation uh, can do that. We thank you also that you will not forgo judgment, but that you will bring down justice um, for all evil that has been committed on this earth. We thank you for this uh, wonderful revelation. We pray for understanding as we begin to study it this evening. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. (laughs) We are in our concluding judgment section. We've had uh, a lot of look at judgment. It's been more than a year. We've been in the judgment section of Revelation, which is from chapters 6 through 18, actually through 19. Uh, You could even go halfway into 20. But Mm -hmm. uh, we are hopefully finishing up this week and next week with the uh, primary section of judgment, chapters 6 through 18. So this evening, we look at the cannibalistic kingdom of the Antichrist, of the false Christ, where that uh, woman who rides the beast is going to be devoured by her own. We start in chapter 17, verse 15. It says, he said to me, that is the angel who is interpreting these things for John. The waters which you saw where the harlot sits, these are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So those waters we saw back in chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. So we get uh, here some of the sphere of her influence. We've got kings, the rulers, and the lay people, those who dwell on the earth. We see that the waters she's sitting on uh, represent these peoples that she has influence over, peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. It's interesting, anytime all of humanity is Uh, noted in Revelation, we get a pattern of four or a set of four. Usually it's tribes, tongues, peoples, and nations, and it's, I couldn't find any pattern to what order they go in. Um, That would probably take a lot more time, but these one, two, three, four, five different lists all have the same set of four tribes, tongues, peoples, nations. That is the reach of reconciliation from Jesus Christ. His blood covers all of these people and all who believe from those um, are saved. So in other words, it's a way of saying that his blood covers the sins of all humanity. And that is attributed to your account at the moment of faith. So that uh, no matter what tribe you're from, no matter what language you speak, no matter what people group you're from or what political nation you're a part of, Jesus' blood paid for your sins. Um, That is in Revelation chapter chapter 5 verse 9 and chapter 7 verse 9 
also the reach of the celebration over the murder of God's witnesses. When God's two witnesses are murdered in the midst of Jerusalem, um, it says that all the tribes, tongues, people, and nations of the world, at this point, we're probably looking at um, those excluding the believers, are going to celebrate that these prophets were killed. This also has to do with the reach of the false Christ's authority. Uh, all the tribes, tongues, peoples, and nations are under his authority. There are people uh, within those tribes who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, this false Christ's authority is generally over all the peoples of the earth, minus those who have submitted to Jesus Christ. And then lastly, here in uh, chapter 14, verse 6, the angel who had the eternal gospel, that eternal gospel is preached to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. There are two that are different, and it's always uh, replacing tribes. Um, so here in chapter 10, when John is recommissioned to prophesy, uh, he is told to prophesy concerning kings, um, tongues, people, and nations. This is the span which his prophecy from uh, 10 forward will apply to. And in other words, it's one way of saying all people. Um, but the angel is specifically saying that the kings, the rulership is also going to be in view. But here in 1715, tribes is changed to multitudes. We see in verse two of chapter 17 that she will have authority over the kings. It's more of a partnership authority but it's authority nonetheless. Uh, but here, rather than having tribes, local people groups, it's uh, spread out over the whole world, multitudes, uh, and perhaps might convey some sort of um, chaos or grouping together, um, <clears throat> this kind of one world idea. You do still have nations, but it's looking at all the peoples no longer divided by tribes, uh, which is essentially how God originally divided up humanity after Babel. He sent them into the world to be separate tribes. All right, in verse 16, it says the 10 horns which you saw, which were interpreted for us already as 10 kings who are going to rule together with the beast, the false Christ. These 10 kings will hate the harlot who rides the beast, who sits on many waters, who exercises her authority over the whole earth, in a religious capacity. And so they're going to make her desolate and naked. Now this desolation probably has to do with plundering her wealth. We know this is a rich and uh, luxurious city. In the rest of chapter 18, we're going to see all the riches that were in her, uh, were in the city. And making her naked has to do with uncovering or exposing her. Some say this might have to do with um, uncovering her sins. Uh, I'm not quite sure this is what's going on, but it could be a, a, a self-cannibalizing government that turns the world against this city as well in order to destroy it and get away with it. As we looked at last week, the Antichrist is abandoning Babylon as his capital, and he is going to try to make Jerusalem his capital, and that's why he has amassed an army outside in the Valley of Armageddon. Uh, in order to take Babylon or to take Jerusalem. And if you want to see that war, you can look at uh, Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. And that depicts that war for Jerusalem. 
but it also says here that these 10 horns, the 10 kings, and the beast, they're going to eat her flesh. Now, she is a city, uh, but she's personified as a harlot. And this uh, kind of draws our attention back to 1 Kings and the judgment on Jezebel. It says of Jezebel, uh, also has the Lord spoken, saying the dogs will eat Jezebel in the district of Jezreel, which is the same, uh, the valley of Armageddon, the Jezreel Valley. Uh, the one belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. The one who dies in the field, the birds of heaven will eat. Um, this has a stark parallel with the last days of the Antichrist's kingdom. And uh, Ahab is kind of an apt king to parallel um, the last king, the last evil king of the world with. Then we get to 2 Kings chapter 9, and we see this prophecy come to pass. It says, Jehu came to Jezreel. Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. He said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses and trampled underfoot. When he came in, he ate and drank, and he said, see now uh, to this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. They went to bury her, but they found nothing more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore, they returned and told him, and he said, this is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, in the prop, uh, property of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel will be as dung on the, faces, on the face of the field and the property of Jezreel, so they cannot say this is Jezebel. Now, Jezebel was the, uh, the luxurious wife of Ahab, and she... Uh, pretty much made a career of killing the prophets in Israel, which is what uh, Babylon has made a career of doing in these last uh, few days, not the prophets, but the, uh, the people of Israel particularly. We also see in Revelation chapter 2, when we're looking at the letter to the church of Thyatira, that they are warned not to commingle with, uh, with corruption. And this corruption, specifically, uh, probably indicating a woman in the church of Thyatira, who was um, leading that church astray. John writes, I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. So we see that God operates on this same basis um, in a local church. He operates on this basis in a, um, a historical kingdom, and he will operate on this basis in the future kingdom of Babylon. It also says that they will burn her up. And interestingly enough, we go back to the Mosaic law. This is specifically the punishment for sexual immorality. Um, there is a whole list of sexual immoralities to avoid in Leviticus 18 and 20. And in 20, it says that the, the punishment for those crimes is to be immolated. So here in Leviticus 20, verse 14, it says, if there is a man who marries a woman and her mother, it is immorality. Both he and they shall be burned with fire so that there will be no immorality in your midst. 
And as well in chapter 21, verse 9, it says also the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by harlotry, she profanes her father, she shall be burned with fire. So this is exactly what's happening to this harlot. She is going to be cannibalized by her own people and then burned with fire as a harlot. <clears throat> In verse 17, we see that God has put it into the hearts of these 10 kings to execute God's purpose. Um, and he does this by giving them all a common purpose. This is uh, an interesting aspect of God's sovereignty, where he is able to use the, the ideas and efforts of unbelievers and even evil kings at times to accomplish his own will. For example, um, in Acts 4 here, Peter makes reference to God using Pilate and Herod to affect his own will of having his son provide the sacrifice for the whole world. So in Acts 4.26, it says the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and God his Christ. This is an applicational uh, quotation of Psalm 2. This isn't the fulfillment of Psalm 2, but Peter draws an application from it that the rulers of the earth came against the Christ of God. Then he says, for truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. So God had kept Jesus from dying by any of their other uh, means, in fact, he had even preserved Jesus long enough so that Rome, uh, just a few months before Jesus' execution, Rome had taken away Israel's right to murder or to, uh, uh, to execute capital punishment on their own captives. This is why the uh, high priest had to go to Pilate and to Herod to have them execute Jesus because they had just recently lost their right to do so. And this was all in the sovereignty of God because Rome had to do this because he would have been, he would have been stoned by Israel, but he was supposed to be crucified. And so God organized it so that the thoughts and intentions of the, uh, of the ungodly rulers of the world effectuated his own purposes. <clears throat> In Matthew 16, we also see evidence of this. Um, all the way through the Gospels, we see Jesus coming up against the Pharisees, coming up against the Sadducees, and against the Herodians. But what we don't realize is uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees themselves were terrible enemies. They hated one another, and they had nothing in common save for the one common enemy, Jesus. Uh, so this, uh, in our own political climate, this would be like introducing a third political party um, and suddenly the two that have been team up to get rid of the third. Um, these are two theological parties that are diametrically opposed, and here you introduce a third, and they go after him. So much so, oh, did I lose it? I guess I didn't put it. In Matthew 22, uh, we see them teaming up against Jesus uh, when Jesus uh, passes the test of one of the Pharisees, then one of the Sadducees will stand up and try to test him and get him to break the Mosaic law by something he says. Uh, they all fail to do this. And so he proves himself to be the perfect 
um, the perfect sacrifice under the Mosaic law, perfectly keeping the Mosaic law. So then in Romans 10, verse 4, he becomes the, uh, the end of the law to all who believe. And so God uh, gives them this common purpose up until the point that God's words are fulfilled. So up until this kingdom is destroyed. Yeah, so just in a, a few verses earlier, we saw that these 10 horns, which you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received a kingdom. They will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. They will rule contemporaneously with him. And we saw that these have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast. But now we see the true um, source of their purpose, that it was actually God putting it into their hearts to have this similar purpose. And so then finally, in verse 18, we get the interpretation of the woman. Um, and this is kind of just a nice climax at the top of the chapter. We see that that woman who we've just taken all this look at, the interpreter angel tells us that this is the great city, uh, which was earlier named Babylon the Great, and she reigns over the kings of the earth. So we see that really nothing escaped her purview in these last days. All right. Chapter 18 is one long lament. So I broke it up over two nights. We're going to do uh, one through eight this week, and we'll do nine through 24 next week. Once we get into the swing of it, things will kind of go fast. It has uh, three rounds of a dirge and then a conclusion at the end that we'll look at next week. But here we look at the call for the destruction of Babylon. This is an imprecatory prayer, um, similar to what we get in the Psalms, where it's a prayer uh, that God enact his judgment on something or someone. Mm -hmm.